0: everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast. I'm your host Kylie Adams and this is show 129. I am joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow. He is the sixth man on the Olympic basketball team. Cicero, I ain't got my jump shot back, Holmes. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, you didn't say which... Olympic basketball team. My own, I was like, going to say Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting you on the USA squad. Right, right. Hell, no. Hell I'm like, no.
1: I'm the I'm the star player on the uh, Zambian basketball team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would I would much rather have you than the dude from the Kings who I can't remember his name right now.
1: Oh uh, yeah. Well, I don't know which one you're talking about. Exactly ben, that guy. Ben Mclemore. <laughs> <laughs> no nope. King of Zamunda. Get him out <laughs> of no. here.
0: No, we're not going to put him on the team. He does not deserve it. Uh, anyway, and we also have my brother from another mother. We have the man who makes gaming looks good, who makes STEM looks good, who makes mini Froze look good, Sharif Jackson of SharifJackson.com. How are you, sir?
2: Apparently, I'm not good enough to be on an Olympic team, but that's, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah,
0: that's true. You know, Matt, wow, that's that's know. okay. That's it.
2: Right. I I I can at least be on like uh. I've I've been watching a lot of fencing for the
1: first time. Yo, fencing yeah. is. Dope, I, I want to fence, man. Yo, fencing is like, dope. Yeah, I and, and the American fencing team is crazy. Ill. Yeah,
2: yeah, man. I I, I, I want to. I all right, but fencing, if only so that I can wear, like, a mask with a big Spawn on me like, logo on the front of it.
1: Oh, that would be <laughs> dope, son. Attack people with a <laughs> floppy
2: sword. Like, right. I
1: don't, I don't <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. It like sounds this. like you'd have to go and knock on some people's doors afterwards. I mean. Let them know you're in the neighborhood. you walking around with a floppy sword. I mean.
0: <laughs> I want to I see Reef in the new version, the new game and version of Budokai. Yeah. I want to see you in that game. Yeah. And it would just be you in that game with like two other people just fighting it out. That would be great. I would be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty damn dope. How, how was your week, C? Uh, uh,
1: the week has been great. Um, peek behind the curtain. My nephew has uh, been visiting from Louisville, Kentucky. Shout out to Anthony, who uh, has, has kept everything lively in my house and helped to remind me how happy I am that i don't have small children anymore <laughs> 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 they are a lot of fucking work everybody a lot that's what i've heard yeah i i, I, <laughs> I forgot it's been almost <laughs> it, you know like my youngest son is 19 so like you know that was 11 years ago he was he was my nephew's age and wow. uh yeah man that was a long time ago that was a that was many many uh Double fillet of fishes ago for for your boys. Wow, so. <laughs> is that I a really do not. Time? I was yes, exactly. yes it is.
0: <laughs> I want I want you're like my child is ten, is two decades fillet of fishes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, old that's great. That would be terrible. Reef, how how was your week?
2: It's been a good week, man. It's it's been pretty warm here in Milwaukee now yeah. now n- n- now like warm for Milwaukee is like nineties, you know. So it's not like triple digits or anything um but yeah it's it's uh definitely been like you know a a lot of days where it's been a little difficult to do some of the some of the long dog walks that i like to do which unfortunately means less pokemon man like my pokemon game has been struggling in this heat man you you know I, i i i haven't been able to level up the way that i that i should be um so oh
0: man unfortunately Oh, man. That's rough. The Pokemon economy has gone down. Exactly. I, think, I think I think the bubble might burst soon. But you never know.
2: No, I'm saying even even the Pokemon on the app are like sweating, man. Like the Pokemon, <laughs> oh man, just just, get, just just like capture me and get me out of here, man. So are, are
1: Pokeballs air
2: conditioned? <laughs> you know. I- I hope so. I mean, they seem right. to be pretty magical. Like, I hope that, like, they have, like, a bed in there, like, an AC, like, like some drinks, maybe. You right. Know, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. I want to know who's the person who runs PokePita. This <laughs> <laughs> just, like, making sure right. the Pokemon are okay and, like, treated all right and, don't you know, not being, you know, yeah. fed w- w- to other people.
1: Would it be, like, Pet Tip or something like that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Trademark. <laughs>
2: trademarked right here, right yep.
1: now. Yep, Pet tip Yo. There you go. Pet tip. You're, you're you're welcome the world. That's, that sounds like some that
0: sounds like a condition when you have an extra toe or something right. like that. But we're not gonna <laughs> talk about oh boy. Yeah. Leave it to Ka. Leave it to <laughs> Sorry. Ka. Sorry. You're the one with the death stuff. I just come up with random wacky things. Yeah. You just talk about people dying. Yeah, anyway,
1: right, exactly. I keep it I keep hey. it moving. Um and we're going to keep it moving uh by talking about uh the reception and and you know obligatory housekeeping. Thank you guys so much for listening to us and sharing us and coming back to Chicago yet again. Um we we finally had everybody back after 2 weeks last week with uh the great captain coming back and uh we we talked about some spoilerific stuff and uh had some really great feedback so um thanks everyone for for uh coming along and and uh talking to us it was awesome yeah
0: we had a lot of good stuff on the social media feeds a lot of folks were super happy and checked out checked out the show and we got a a fairly good amount of people kind of uh, like the facebook page and and do all that kind of cool stuff so continue to do that uh and thank you every week for listening to what we do Word up. Uh, and all that good stuff. Word up. Uh, what we do really well is we bring out dope, dope guests. We do. Let's see. Introduce the guest for this week.
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm the best at introductions. Um, so yes, of course, I'm going to do that. Um, so the gentleman that we have as a guest this week, I I met um via at the or at the indie indie showcase at E3, and and I've talked about. Uh, In glowing terms, how much fun I had in the in the indie section in E3 um, in general. But this was the game that really kind of just blew my mind, both with its simplicity and and complexity and just the fun factor. Like, you know, you sit down for a second and we'll get into it. But like, it's just it was just so much fun. And then I got to meet the guy who actually designed the game and I found out. Not only did he just design this game, but he had so much other stuff that was on his resume that I was like, oh, man, we definitely have to have him on the show. Plus, the exciting thing is his game, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, his game releases today. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Bracago, please welcome me uh, or join me in welcoming uh the one and only creator of Inverses, Mr. Ryan Juckett. Ryan, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing wonderful. Yeah, doing well. Cool. Happy to have you. Oh, thanks. Um, so you know, Ryan, I got to see, uh, I got to play uh, Inverses over at the. I guess it was the Indiecade. Was it? Was it the indie? No, it was the indie Indie Exchange section was, of E3. or, or did it was I get the that Indiecade? Wrong? Oh, it was, at yeah, it, yeah. Yes, yeah. it was the IndyCate showcase at E three. I'm terrible at everything. Um and I recall,
3: uh, you played for a long time. I did play you for a long down time. And time and you did not leave. With
1: <laughs> uh, with our with our buddy Rich Lamarche, who uh who's just man, we love you, man. Uh, you know, I mean there's just there's nothing nothing more to say. And you know what? The funny thing is, Ryan. I played for a long time, but I didn't realize I played for a long time. And <laughs> so, like, I sat, I, I, you know, I turned and I looked at my watch and was like, "Holy shit! I've been here for like forty-five minutes just playing this game." Um, it, it was, it was so much fun. Uh, congratulations on finally getting it out uh, and releasing it to the masses. Why don't you give an explanation of what Inversus is? I tried, but I, I know I didn't do it any justice.
3: Yeah, it is. It is tough to uh, describe because it is. It's it's different, right? It's not like yeah. something you've really right. played before. So there's two sides, right? So you were playing competitive. Um, yes. And you're on the black side or the white side. It's kind of like you're on like a chessboard, right? Of like there's a grid and all the tiles are black or white. Mm-hmm. Except here, when you shoot, it flips the color. So if you're on the white team, you shoot. All the tiles your bullet hits, like pop, pop, pop. They all turn white. And what happens is you can only move on white. So like black is a wall to you. But for the other team where you can move as a wall to them. So yeah. you're in these like negative spaces of each other. And every time you attack, you're changing like the collision of the level. So the, the board is, you know, it starts simple, but once you start fighting based on like my decisions, your decisions, we're in this like new level we haven't played in before. And because of that, there's this heavy strategy element because you don't want to get trapped without ammo because if you don't have ammo, you can't shoot to open up a path and it's very easy to get locked in, you know, and basically shot, right? And then you right. lose. So there's a lot of like, it's really fast paced, a lot of quick reactions, but it gets this like chess checkmate scenarios
1: that pop up. Right. So and then you so you talked about the ammo um, and your logo is amazing because if someone sees it, they immediately think of a revolver. Um, It so your ammo goes in like this revolver cylinder. And uh, when you shoot the ammo, like you said, it changes almost like Othello. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you change the color of, of the pattern. But now if there is an opposing player who's on the other side, they can shoot and you guys negate each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'll
3: they'll block. Not only that, like if you're, when you get really good. You wait, and if you time that just right, like all the way at the end, you'll actually parry. Yeah, right. So you can start like bouncing bullets back and forth and stuff.
2: Yeah, I I did that in the tutorial. I, I don't know if I could do it in an actual game, but I did do <laughs> it <that> in the <laughs> tutorial. That's awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: So what was what was the the, the like the genesis of the genesis of of this game? Because you know, again, like I said, the the idea is so simple, but it's so brilliant in its simplicity.
3: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it started from uh, a bunch of friends were sort of setting up this little local game jam to make single screen, like one-on-one competitive games. Right. Um, you know, since that inverses versus is now one-on-one, two-on-two, single player, co-op, all this stuff. But it started off of just like, here's this idea of like, I wanted to make something really simple that every action you took had like sort of a permanent effect on the play field. Mm. Um, and it was, I sort of, concept that, like made a little piece of concept art for like oh maybe we could make this at the game jam I didn't do it then and I ended up making it later that Christmas when I was on vacation but um it kind of started there just as like exploring different stuff after yeah, I played a ton of local multiplayer games at home right. um and initially it was you know it's just a local multiplayer thing and you know now it's online and all that stuff so it's sort of that was that was in 2013 so it's just been growing since then <laughs>
1: so you've been so you've been working on this game for the better part of two years
3: yeah um it's like it's a lot of it I had a full time job, so right. it was like a nights and weekends you know on and mm-hmm. off type thing um and then in the past year it's been much more focused um sort of development hmm.
2: yes yeah, so so with a with a game like this where you know where your main you know obviously your main uh, weapon is is a shot right mm-hmm. I always wonder this about these kind of games since you know that shooting, you know, is sort of the main mechanic, how do you decide on the sound? Cause this is the sound that the player is going to be hearing all again the time. So, so, yeah. so, so like what, what like goes into the decision-making process of, of like what the final pew, pew, pew is. Right. Is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the, um, it, so this was like, my first time synthesizing sound, like I did all the sound effects Oh, okay. um, nice! and there was a lot of learning there. Um, some of it was kind of easier and pulled from like some synthesizers that are made for making, like it's kind of like a, like a more of a, it's a more crisp version of like an old school sound library effect is sort of what you hear in the game. Um, and the game's kind of has that like Neo retro look to it where it's like, it, you could look at it and go like, oh, this could be something that could be like on an Atari, but it's like way. Yeah. Way. It's like, it's like if you had like Atari technology, but then got HDTVs. And right. Like right. right. And yeah. Like render it nicer
2: or whatever. It, it would um, blow up in Atari. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: the, uh, so I, I knew I wanted to kind of like push that route. Cause both, it was something I felt I could at least learn how to do. Um, and, you know, it, it was just like playing with different shot sounds and just, listening to stuff again and again and again and then listening to it the next day when your ears weren't tired of it and seeing what it sounded like um mm. it's interesting a lot of people point out that sound though they'll say it sounds like uh, galga it mm. does and it does yeah similar i can and they'll come over the and they'll be like oh you oh this is like the galga sound and i'm like oh cool like whatever draws you over <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah because 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 like i can see like i can honestly see like if if the sound of a shot in a game like this really annoyed me, like it would have a significant effect on my enjoyment of the game. I'd have to basically mute it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and then I'd miss out on like the awesome music that like you guys have yeah. on this. So. I'm glad
3: to hear it did not do that. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, that was the other thing that really kind of kept me going was that the soundtrack was, it's, it's very like EDM, uh, sure. 80 synth, you know, like it's like all of those things put together. Like, I feel like um, the soundtrack was made after watching Blade Runner, and it's <laughs> like if if Blade Runner really existed, what kind of game? What would the game sound like in that universe?
3: Yeah. So the music is the that's the one part um, I got help with because I was okay. like, I can't learn to make amazing music this quick. <laughs> um, so there's. Uh, the music producer is uh named livo or that's his music production name lyvo and he's in germany um, and i was he was making some like free music like that he put out mm-hmm. and i was using some of that and it was like creative Commons zero stuff initially and i was like you know this is they fit the game pretty well and then i contacted him and i was like hey if i use this in this game i'm making you know how do you want to be credited or whatever and he was like i would love to work on a game like do you want to just do something new and custom and like you know he's uh you know younger he's in college he's sort of up and coming and i was like yeah you know you have that like that work ethic spirit that i have where it's just like i just want to make stuff and uh mm-hmm. so we figured something out um and you know got a contract written up which is a pain because we're in different countries and everything <laughs> right um but yeah we just like iterated and iterated to find like we wanted, like, this thing where, like, it, it was dancey. Like, it made your head want to, like, move. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, like, the action, you know, held up the whole time. And, yeah, you know, we just, like, made a bunch of tracks and came up with a way to, like, you know, they always start at a different point in the track, so it feels like there's more variety there yeah. than there is normally. And, like, you know, it picks up, it adds a couple elements in on the last round and stuff like that just to sort of, like, subtle stuff to make it not get repetitive, right? Because it's, right. you're playing this, game again 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 right the matches are quick and you want that you want to come out of everyone just like grooving and not frustrated that the song <laughs> <on again, right?
1: laughs> yeah so uh so uh, you you kind of ele- uh, alluded to it earlier um when i got to play it i played local multiplayer and that was you know that was one of the things that really drew me in was the fact that there you know local multiplayer on especially on the console um is is something it's you know it's it's becoming like a white whale, um, so you have local multiplayer and now you also have online modes as well. So why don't you go over what the modes are and and you know how people can experience the game?
3: Sure, yeah. So there's two big splits. There's the versus, right, and there's arcade. So in versus mode, it's you know that's what we were mostly showing at e3, um, and it's either one v one or your two v two, and it uses those. You know, the mechanics we talked about earlier with the two sides right. in arcade mode, you can play single player or co-op. And it's sort of like high score based oh. leaderboards, you know, like a classic arcade game. Um, the mechanics are the same in that, you know, it's black and white sides. You're on one side and the enemies are closing in on the other side. And it's sort of like if you thought of like a dual stick shooter, like Geometry Wars or something, Mm-hmm. but when you layer on these territory mechanics and these ammo management systems which you don't ever see in a game like that you get this much more like strategic twist on that right where the enemies are shifting the board you're having to move and you have to think a lot more than you do in like geometry wars at a like tactical level i guess um it's still super fast but mm-hmm. there's uh it can it challenges you on like a slightly different like mental area yeah that you know (laughs) that's exactly
2: was my approach initially was geometry wars and i ended up getting destroyed because
1: (laughs) because like
2: your default in in, 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 well my default in like geometry wars is if i see a bunch of guys I'm like all right i'm gonna go to the lower left corner i'm gonna take as many as i can and then and then move over here on the bottom but because the enemies kept changing the color of the of the of the level and blocking me off from that i'd be like wait mm. a minute are my buttons messed up am i not pressing that hard <laughs> enough yeah. you know so yeah i had to I, I you know but um i liked it because it never felt punishing like it always felt like all right this is a game mechanic that i have to learn and like it's like rewarding right y- y- you know to 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 um pick up little pieces and, and and a parts of that so so yeah if you're out there and you get this game get geometry wars out of your head <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you will get wrecked yeah <laughs> it's actually
3: been really fun like so right now there's codes have gone out to like press and stuff right um right. and so you can actually i can load up the leaderboards and look at them and watch like what people are like really starting to dig in hard and figure out the like systems and the scoring and you know, the, I mean, compare like there's someone on Steam right now that's just been like going at it, and like every day, his score is a little higher, a little higher, and he's just like, <laughs> I think he's at like seven hundred thousand right now in the first wow. level, which is really good. Wow. So it's awesome just to see like, like you know, that person's having a blast because that number's changing daily, and they're like, just keep coming back.
1: Yeah, it's it's so. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just gonna ask. I was like, so when you see stuff like that in the feedback loop of trying to figure out. You know, are people getting it? I know. I know. Usually, when you go and you have events like <clears throat> uh, the E3 event and and stuff at the mix, uh, is where I got a chance to, to to mess around with the game a little bit. How how are you getting that feedback when you when you're having it at those kinds of events? Is it the same kind of uh, things that you're looking for? Of like, how long is someone staying on on the game, and and how uh, uh, are they kind of conveying to you or? you know, through their body language that they're either getting the, the kind of concepts that you're trying to put into the game or, or not. And then how do you kind of address those things when you see them kind of uh, live when, when it's happening?
3: Um, I do like most of that actually comes from playtesting outside of events where you have mm-hmm. more time to sort of discuss and like dig in and let people sit with it for longer. Um, the, cause like mostly the events we show versus mode because more people people are playing at once and the matches are quicker so you get more people mm-hmm. to like come through um, and it, you know, lets everyone sort of get to experience it. Unless the, I'm there. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and that like, um, I'll get stuff out of there that's usually, I'll watch someone and maybe like the map isn't, parts of the map aren't useful enough and you're seeing people not take advantage of that part once they're good, but it has to, be on a person that's come back a few times because those first two matches is a lot of exploratory learning and back and forth between the players and they're having fun. And mm-hmm. that part was fun, had been fun for a while. So by the time I was like showing it at bigger events, that wasn't as much of a um, learning period because you don't get to see people like, except for, you know, a few people like get really hooked and they'll like be like, hey, I'm going to forget about the rest of the packs right now. I'm coming back here. <laughs> I know there's tons of games around I should be going look at, but like this is the one. And then you get to watch that person start to like see the long tail, which is the more concerning part yeah. for me of like making sure these maps hold up when you do get good, and there is that like skill depth there to grow into, right? And so you can watch mm. someone play and go, oh man, he, I can't believe that just happened, right?
0: So, so you talked about maps, and one of the really cool things that people may not know about you is that you used to work as the uh, lead sandbox engineer on the Destiny games. Sure. Um, so how do you go from doing these maps and kind of trying to figure out placement and movement and uh, uh, symmetry and asymmetry in games that are that big that have lots of moving pieces to a much smaller game where you have to be more compact and, and kind of think about uh, the the kind of small minute movements that are gonna happen on a map uh, in, in a game like Inversos?
3: Yeah, so on Destiny, so. Uh, the sandbox team. So that's like a, it's kind of like a bungee-ish term. Like not a lot of okay. companies have a, um, sa- like it's a weird way to break up your, but basically what that means is we did the player centric gameplay. So like if you touched it as a player and it involved like your controller or something you like used like a gun or a weapon, you know, like a uh, vehicles, mm-hmm. you know, throwing grenades, all that stuff was sort of our focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we call that the, like, 30 seconds of fun of, like, you should be able to pick up this thing, you know, you've got, like, this 30-second loop of, like, right. you know, shoot a guy, yeah. headshot, down, whatever, right? Yeah. And so all that, it was all very feel-focused and very, like, tactile and, like, just, like, that thing where you pick up a game and you're not quite sure, like, why this is so yeah good, right? Mm. Um, so that stuff actually translates pretty well to any action Type I mean, almost any game, but like specifically an action game, right? Right. Where in Versus, I spent tons and tons of time on just like the little bits of feedback and the hits and like just making it have that oomph. And, you know, when you shoot, it does what you want. When you move, the stick goes exactly where you think it should. Um, And you you can slide through corners without getting stuck and all that stuff. Um, So a lot of that translates really well. And like a ton of stuff I learned at Bungie is,
0: you know, you can see straight in the game if you know what you're looking for. Can you look at a map now just from like a top-down perspective? Because one of the cool things about when I was uh, doing a little bit of research for, <clears throat> for the game was I was digging through the press kit. Mm-hmm. And it has this really nice set of screenshots that will show kind of the, map, the overlay of what the maps are going to look like. At this point, when you've been doing a game for this long, you've been doing it and developing it, can you kind of see a shape And say, this would be perfect for this game? Or can you like see uh, uh, a shape and kind of figure out, like, I would like my game to do this with this kind of geometry and and make it fun?
3: Yeah, so in verses, it's been interesting making those maps because there's weird constraints that aren't, you you don't have in a lot of types of games where Mm. the. So we've got this very minimalist aesthetic, right? So there's only so much color to communicate with and stuff. And so you you need these like shapes that are, you can look at and parse mentally in an easy way, right? Cause it's not like I'm putting like blue lines to indicate wall. Like it's, right. it's right. A, you know, right. it's, um, right. it's very minimalist and getting stuff that both looked aesthetically pleasing. It was parsable mentally and was strategically interesting. Um, was a, a, a long learning process where I've probably, you know, there's like close to 30 versus maps in the game right now, but I've probably thrown out more than 30 throughout mm. development. And depending on like different times people have played it, they probably played on maps that aren't there anymore just because like you keep learning like what is better and better. And I'm very much wanted to make sure what was in there. Everything had a purpose. Everything was had distinct um, choices that were different than all the other maps. Cause I didn't want you to come in and be like, It'd be so easy for me to just be like, there's a thousand maps because I changed (laughs) a block here and a block here. But like, you know, you load up this one and the other one. It's like, yeah, but whatever, right? It's not hitting me different. Um, Where I wanted to make sure every single map you loaded, when you picked a new map, it was like, that was an interesting event. You're going to play a little different on this and you're going to learn the strategy and like the pickup placement and the pickup types and how that interacts with the play space in a way that's, you know, unique. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives it longevity, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, now, um, speaking of the maps. So, like, I know that you know maps. You know, like the way you see people interact with maps, um, especially during the uh, the, the uh, development process, I would think would affect different things that you put into the game. So, I know that like uh, this was on Greenlight. This was at Bitbash. All kinds. Of like different events so were there specific elements in the game like for example like the charge shot or the parry that you put in in response to to how you saw people playing the game or like different challenges that came up during the uh testing of the game
3: yeah i mean so when the game first started there was just single shots you couldn't do the charge shot there were also no pickups and that was basically what the concept for the right. game was. It was just like, oh, here's this thing. And eventually I got to that to the point where it was like, okay, you were thinking a bit, you were making choices that were interesting. You were trapping people in. And it had it was it was, you know, a fun game as it was there. But what would happen is there would be times where your brain wasn't getting pulled in enough different directions to be like, I could be doing this right now but Mm. I'm going to choose to do this instead. Mm. So there was like, just like small periods where you were just like mentally not engaged fully where I was like, okay, I need, once I added like the charging, you're constantly going like, okay, if I could charge up right now, I'm going to have a better shot on him, but I've committed. And then it's risky because he's going to go around me. I'm slower when I'm charging. And just having that choice of like charge or not charge, like just the process of pressing the button was such a more interesting process. Right. And then that got to a point where it was like, okay, This is really fun, except every once in a while when you would get, you were low on ammo and you're kind of just waiting for your ammo to come back. You were still, there's just like a little bit of periods where you're like, I want a little bit more of an interesting choice here or something I could have done or I could be evaluating just to like engage me. And that's where the pickups came in of like, all right, I'm now not only worrying about where this guy is, but I'm also worrying about like holding these spawn points. And like once it layered in enough stuff there, I felt it was enough that like as i was playing you know i've been playing this thing forever i am now don't hit a point where it gets like mentally stale mm-hmm. which i think is a good sign so stuff kind of came in in response to a lot of either me playing or playing with like groups of people and just sitting down discussing for a long time like where stuff wasn't fun or what was fun and trying to find out like what could be layered in to sort of engage you either at a, like a tactical, like a tangible level of just like your, your hands need to be moving more or at a mental level of, you have to be stressed a bit more about like, are you doing the right thing?
1: Yeah. So uh, the game's out today Um, in, can you talk about platforms and price? Sure.
3: Yeah. So it's coming out on PlayStation four and on uh, windows through steam Um, you can get that on the humble store if you like going there or on my website or steam. Um, and it's 1499, but it's gonna, for the first week. So there's a 10% off sale. So if you grab it now, it's a little bit off and tell your friends and you can all hop on and I will be online waiting for you. <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> that didn't sound ominous <laughs> that is at a all. That is a
1: threat. Oh. <laughs> <at all>. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, uh, I I keep wanting to go back to this point, because um, you know school is starting or college is starting for a lot of people. Um, again, local co op is is something that or local co op and local competitive um, or a local multiplayer in general, something that we don't get to see a lot of, but so you do have online modes, so you can do two on two online. Is mm-hmm. that four separate connections or is it two connections with, uh, two people on one couch and two people on another?
3: So right now to play four player, you all have to be separate connections. Oh, okay. Um, I do want to add in the ability to like mix and match a bit. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, and assuming the game is a a hit and a success, that will totally be that is high on my list of stuff to like
0: support and patch in. Right on. So, it, so when you've already got a game in the can and you've, you're ready to launch it, how many how many ideas do you already have? You just kind of talked about it a little bit. How many ideas do you already have to like? I really want to tweak this. I really because I know people who have the creative bug never feel like they got the perfect thing out the door or they, they they always feel like they have like the one thing that they got on the cutting room floor that they wanted to add. What's what's some of that kind of stuff?
3: So yeah, so the... Because I had to... You, know, you have to finish a game long before it ships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I... The way I like scheduled up my time was, okay, there's going to be a set of PC support issues that I can do while I'm in certification with Sony and doing that. And then... Based on the fact that all these have to get done before the game comes out, that'll keep me busy enough that I'm not stressing too much about like doing gamey stuff until it ships. <laughs> right, right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> so that just finished up, I think yesterday, the final build went to Steam, the one that's going to go out. Um, and before that point, before it went off to Sony, the, the, actually the most like, the part that you know I found most stressful was making sure the arcade mode was there because right. if I was to make a change to that, it would affect how you know everybody's leaderboard scores, right? Because there's like this permanence there mm-hmm. of like, oh, I earned this thing. And if I made a change that all of a sudden made the whole thing easier or harder, those are, you know, it's like, well, then do I have to like wipe the leaderboards or what do you do and all this stuff? So I was like getting that to a point where I was comfortable with like, What was shipping was probably the hardest bit of like, oh, you know, I could just do this one thing, do this one thing, and you can do that forever, right? So, but that was the one where I really focused on at the end was just like getting that to a point that I was like, okay, I I really need to make sure this is safe because anything I do later is going to have big ramifications on it. Mm. Um, But yeah, upcoming, a lot of the stuff I would like to do will be, I mean, there's stuff on all fronts. But hopefully in my mind, what happens is the game builds up enough of an online, like following there that I can put more support on that. And like maybe someday, like right now there's no ranked, right? Right. It's all uh, public matchmaking. And that's because I don't want to split the player base while it's still small as like a small indie game. I want to make it easy for you to find matches and that's the biggest priority. And then if the player base builds up because they're finding matches and having a good time, I can then layer in like a ranked mode for more heavy competitive stuff. Right. Right. Um, So that's a big one. But yeah, lots of stuff like that.
0: What's the, I've always been curious to ask folks who are in the indie space who have worked at bigger companies before. What's the, what's the vibe like from, you know, ex coworkers who may still be at bigger companies and, and people who are kind of. Like, hey Ryan, I'm really happy you have this project that's coming out. How can we help to support you? And how uh, how does the kind of indie space feel in that way right now? Are people still kind of really super supportive? Or are folks kind of kind of rallying behind? Uh, you know, people know when other people's games are coming out, so they're like, hey, your game is coming out soon. We want to make sure we give you a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, run and respect and, and props. How's, how's the space been so far? That you're almost uh, that you're out the door.
3: Yeah, I mean everyone's supportive. Uh, the, the biggest support I've got from people I used to work with is just getting them over to playtest and feedback, right? Because all super yeah. experienced. Um, the and it's interesting because like now, splitting off to do just like traditional indie stuff isn't the like hot thing right now. Now it's like splitting off to do VR stuff right. is the big uh-huh. like that's the trend. Um, uh-huh. So me doing this is actually, it almost seems like abnormal given that like everyone goes to like. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to go make a <laughs> VR thing. Um, but so, yeah, everyone's, you know, they're happy and gonna hopefully, you know, keep being excited for it.
0: So, so you mean no VR in Yeah, I was just Not about yet. to no, say. No are first you, are, person in I know oh how God. I would do it.
3: That's on the list. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, I would I've be got cool plans.
2: I would be scared if I saw a charge shot coming toward
1: me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> i like, like <I'd> run away. <laughs> I'd turn around I, and run away. I, I, t- I tell you what, I can't, as I was playing it at, at E3, the one thing that, that stuck in my head was how much fun this game would be at one of the game gaming bars that are popping up more and more around the country. Um, there's one in the Milwaukee area that both uh, Sharif and I frequent called the 42 Lounge. Um, there was a game last year uh, I guess it was maybe maybe even two years maybe it was last year I'm, I forget now it was last year uh, yeah oh it was last year it seems like so long ago I darb um, mm-hmm. uh, by uh, other ocean our, our good yeah. friends over there um, we got to play that at the forty two lounge and everyone just stopped and was like you know what what is this um, it was just it was so much fun and I think that uh, inverses has that ability to do exactly that.
3: Yeah, they actually have it at a bar called Showdown in San Francisco right now. Okay, San oh nice. Francisco. nice. But yeah, I met them at E3, and I, would, you know, I was like, yeah, you guys should play it, and they played it this past weekend, I think, and they said it went great. Yeah, yes. so,
1: that's awesome. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you, you should shop it around. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so you you uh, mentioned earlier about you know about the game being a hit, and I always wonder when. Like, when you go from, like, working on these larger games that you did, like, you know, from the Tony Hawks to the Destinies and stuff, obviously being a hit means you have to sell, like, millions and millions of copies to, like, make up all the huge, like, a development costs and marketing mm-hmm. and, like, all that stuff. It, like, is it still the same feeling when you're making your own game that, 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 like, for it to be a hit to you that you still have to, you know, really see those numbers? Or is it more j- just... Just like, hey, I I wanna, you know, make up my development costs and make a profit. You know, is is, is there kind of a change when going from the big, you know, from the bigger games to this Yeah, one? so
3: even just, just for me, because I am literally one person, though like the bar for success is way, way, way lower, you know, right. um than you know, like six hundred people on Bungie or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. the but even that like, yeah, for me it's if I can, if it does well enough that I can, you know, both keep supporting it and make another thing like that's the, that would be a hit for me. Right. Cause it is so much fun just like making, you know, like a indie project and doing all the parts and, you know, making something that is something you want to, it's very like the direction of it's very personal. Right. And one person, um, that if I can, you know, whatever I can do to keep doing that, that would be fantastic. That's, you know, it's hard to bank on that in the market these days, right? Like, right. <laughs> it, you know, games come out all the time that are, you know, it's good. Like, it's got to be the right moment for the thing you're making, right? Um, and I think probably the best thing in has going for it, because, you know, there's a lot of multiplayer games that come out and a lot of single screen games that come out now um, that are like indie games is the mechanics of it are actually novel. It's not just like, oh, we're running around in an arena fighting each other with a little right. twist. It's like, no, you're thinking in a different way that I don't know of any games asked you to think that way before. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope that sort of sets it apart. But, you know, we'll see what the public says, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what, what and, and Ka kind of alluded to it um, a little um, you've, you've been part of lots of launches, lots of game launches. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a – does it even compare? Um, does, you know, launching a game where you've worked on it with a, a you know, a small army of people – and And saying, "Oh yeah, this is my game, and it and it finally released, or uh this new version of of a game or d l c is finally released does that does a sense of pride equal what you what you're feeling right now or about to feel since we're we're kind of in the past talking about the future
3: yeah, the uh it's different um because there's a lot more on your shoulders of like what is good or bad or people like, or don't like. Right. Right. uh, I mean, the nice thing is all the parts that are great. Those are all me. Right. But anything you don't like, (laughs) that's all me. Right. Um, So, (laughs) so like, that's interesting. Um, I, because I made most of the game while having a full-time job. Right. Um, which is not necessarily something you would recommend people do, but I did it. Um, I am not in, like, dire financial situations, luckily. So there's less stress on that front, which I think is make, makes it, like, a lot – it's a much calmer experience for me than I think it would be for a lot of indie games. Mm-hmm. Um, the, But, yeah, like, when it comes out, it's not – it's yeah, it's different because you you don't have a big team all waiting for that one thing to happen. Right. Right. It's like just you and you've got friends that are excited for it to have happened or whatever. Um, But it's, it is different. It feels. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Like I haven't done this side of it before. So, but I can say it's not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, there's a bit of fear of too. like, you know, you come out and like, you know, the PC landscape, I've done everything I can to make sure it is compatible everywhere and it's going to run on everything. Right. But everyone's machine is different and someone's right. going to even, you know, you've got people out there just have some machines that are just broke in general and then your game triggers whatever's just like bad in their hardware. Right. And right. they're going to be like, yo, your game's not working. And then you got to figure out, <laughs> is it actually not working? or is like, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of support I'm going to have to deal with all at once. So I'm gonna make sure I'm well rested before. Hey man, it's, it's like
2: like it's your fault for not testing it on that 3D FX Voodoo 3 man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I have a Windows Vista machine in the other room that's super old, and I run it on
0: that. And, and it's nice. like, don't worry, don't yeah. worry. I, if you need me to test it on Windows ME, I can do it. For yeah, you. Right. Exactly. I'll hook you up. I, I guess I guess that's a that's a great that's a great kind of segue too, because it's like. You know, do you have any kind of different expectations for the different platforms, not in terms of performance, but just in how people will kind of come to the game and and, and be willing to try it out or be accepting of it? Because we see a lot of times folks on the PC side are uh, they get a lot of uh, get a lot more games kind of thrown at them in different spaces. So we see that happening often. But do you have any kind of expectations about how people will kind of receive it?
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't know really. The um like it is a game made for like it supports keyboard, right? But it's a you know, it's a controller. You it's better on a controller just cuz you have the analog direction, right? Cuz it's a very mm. movement based game. And on a keyboard, you can only get those four directions um and you know, I do I kind of support that. But like based on that, you go oh, maybe it would it'll blow up more on consoles because of that, but the landscape's so different now that and, like, the PC, the potential on PC is so large that the the subset you build up is, you know, going to be large in um, just in relation to that. And I honestly, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what, like, what one does, you know, heavier on, like, online play, what one's more big on local, what one's more, probably consoles more local, PCs mm-hmm. more online, right? Right. Um, but... Yeah, it's going to be a fun learning experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're going to run into our break right now. We're going to run into the middle part of our show. We're going to do a quick ad uh, that CU's going to get into. Uh, we're going to come back with you, Ryan, right after the break. We'll talk a little bit more inverses. We'll run into news. And then we're going to let you plug the hell out of inverse. All right. <laughs> All right, awesome. So, Bricago, we'll be back right after this.
1: I want to talk about our brand new sponsor, Fracture. What Fracture does is it takes the lost art of printing photos and it makes it fashionable again. Uh, imagine being able to take your precious moments and uploading them to a website and in a few days having a borderless, all glass, vivid and sleek version rendition of your memory that you can place in your home or in a family's home or just display on a, on a table or what have you very very easily and it matches any decor because like i said it's borderless and it's glass and it's beautiful it's it's science um fracture is amazing fracture is affordable and fracture is easy so what you guys want to be able to do is uh you want to use fracture obviously so you want to go to fractureme.com com slash podcast answer the one question survey where they ask you where you heard about Fracture. And, of course, you're going to say, in Procargo, where everything is dope, Spawn On Me. And you watch the video, you can save some money, and you're going to use Fracture. Fracture is amazing. Check them out, fractureme.com slash podcast. Answer the one-question one, uh, one question survey and let them know Spawn On Me sent you. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 129 of the Spawn On Me podcast. I am Stubby Stan, he is Khalif Adams, and the other he is uh, Shreve Jackson. We are here with the wonderful world of Inversus, brought to you by him. He is Ryan Juckett. Um, Inverses out today, uh, August, what day is this, August? Uh, 16th. 16th. And, uh, you know, look. Uh you guys need to play this. Um 14.99 available on uh PC and Steam or PC Steam and uh the PS4, but this week only 10% off, man. Make sure you get Inverses. Um why the name Inverses, Ryan?
3: So uh the <laughs> few reasons. Uh so I mean obviously the game's about inverted space, right? Right, right. Um the name, the game started out as a competitive game, so it's a versus game. Right. And, uh, and also in versus is Latin for inverted as well, so. Oh,
1: look at that, look Ooh, at that. So, so you, um, you know, another, uh, another thing that people wouldn't really know about you, um, but I guess could kind of figure out if they played the game a little, is that you seem to be a math nerd of sorts um that you like that you really, dare you right, right. <laughs> um, so if you if you go to Ryan's website RyanJucket.com, uh you you will see a lot of stuff about math uh, you know when yeah. did, when when did uh, this this love affair with mathematics begin and you know obviously the layup question of the day is how does it correlate with, with uh, your, you know, entry, your career in game design?
3: Sure. So, I mean, like, games are built on math, right. a lot of it, right? right, and, uh, right. Um, and he shoots, he <laughs> scores. Or, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, I always liked math in high school because you didn't, it wasn't really about memorization, if you were willing to, like, just understand the formulas, um, where it's like, it's a lot harder to go into history class and be like, well, I really know deep down what Ben Franklin's like. So therefore he would have done this on this date. And like, no, you just have to remember the stuff right? Right. where i math, It's like, yeah, you could just kind of like try to memorize formulas, but then you could also try to just like understand where they came from and you can just kind of build up to stuff. Right. So I liked being able to learn to do that and then not have to study as much. Um, <laughs> so that was very attractive. Uh, and yeah i kind of like solving problems there's a lot of that in math um understanding systems and and that's like understanding how things work like that is uh something i get i don't know if addicted is the right word but like i do more so than you probably need to a lot where you know even in like programming where you can go like i could just use this thing that's out there um but if i don't get what's happening it's sort of like just gets twitch or something you know like i need to know yeah so i do a lot of so a lot of the stuff that's on my website is honestly just like i wanted to know how this thing does this thing and it's not something and when i looked it up it wasn't there so i spent a bunch of time finding out and then here it is so it's somewhere for somebody um who is crazy like me and wants to know about this weird esoteric thing (laughs) that's probably (laughs) related to games in some way but in a (laughs) non-critical way usually um But yeah, it's, I am, I am writing up another, and then like lately I've been doing some stuff that's more writing about design stuff for the inverses side. Um, I was writing up something else earlier today, but but yeah, on on my website
1: itself, it's usually more
3: abstract (laughs) mathy.
1: So uh, this is a question that I like to ask all of our favorite game developers. And uh, what, what, began your love affair with games what were your favorite games either coming up what was the game that made you think oh man i love i am a gamer um what was the game that made you say you know what i want to i want to build these games i want to do this
3: yeah the it's funny because like the as you learn about and sort of learn to think about games more and as you get older and better that stuff the the things I'd point to now as good games are probably in a lot of cases don't line up with like as a kid right. like, like jumped out right <laughs> um, the but but like certainly the first one I remember playing is Super Mario on NES um, and I remember I thought I beat it when I got to the end of <laughs> one okay, yeah, four so I did a lot of us man oh, yeah. that's great. My mom wasn't happy because she thought I already finished the thing that I just bought. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but she when I got back, back, back upstairs, it, it wasn't over yet. Um, the And then, like, I remember, you know, liking Tetris a lot when I was younger, which was, you know, that holds up. And then, I, like, there were tons of, like, bad games I played as a kid. Where it was just, like, you know, whatever you had, right? right? And you right. didn't have... I lived in a small town, so I actually, like, in Super Nintendo times... I didn't play a lot of the good games. Like I never played the Super Nintendo Zelda. Mm. I never played Metroid. Mm. I never played the Final Fantasies. Oh, oh, boy. I did play Krusty's Funhouse. Oh, and, oh. Krusty's Funhouse! <laughs> I, I rented Krusty's <laughs> yeah. Funhouse a couple times. <laughs> a, a couple Krusty's times. Funhouse. I you did. were glutton. That Jurassic Park game a bunch. Oh boy! Yeah, I didn't have because um, like it was like I didn't have people telling me. And like I had I had, super, I had um, you know Street Fighter but I didn't have people to play it against. So I would just play against the computer. And I remember the first time I played against someone else who had like played Street Fighter against real people. And they would like, they were like, why didn't you throw me right then? Why? They were just like asking questions. Like I was like, I don't, I don't what do you mean? Like, don't you just sit back and throw the fireball thing? Um, so like, it wasn't you know, until I went to college really that I met a lot of people that were like, played games and forced me to think about them a little deeper. Mm. um and like nowadays like it's you know spelunky and journey and stuff that i look to as like inspiration um but yeah i used to the first things i tried making were rpgs i think and it was based on dragon warrior i used to like that oh yes my man yeah um so that was always the first thing i ever tried making was just like oh there's gonna be a monster and you're gonna Hit a button and its is going to go down. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> now, hashtag fun. Right. Hashtag
1: fun. Now, did you, did you go to school for uh, either game design or were you just going to be like a math professor or, you know, what what did, what was your major in college?
3: Yeah, I went to DigiPen. Oh. Um, so I did the programming track there. Um, you know, I was either you did programming or art. Um, coming out of high school a lot of people thought I would go into art um and because like my two things were art and math right and they did we didn't have like computers in high school um you know like we had like not a computer class right right the so I kind of didn't um and like really learn how to program until college and I went to DigiPen to kind of figure that out
0: so my question for you is as a person who can't draw for shit and is terrible at math, <laughs> if I wanted to get into game design, what advice would you give me?
3: Uh so luckily like game design is different, right? Um I mean obviously having there's a there's a lot of logic background that goes in there for systems and stuff and math mm-hmm. can help there. And there's certainly an eye for um you know, interests that helps from the art side, but you don't have to make art really. Right. Mm. Um, the, but the it's tricky to break into design from all the other fields. Cause it's harder to evaluate. Well, like there's certainly people that can do it, but it's like, just breaking in there is trickier. Cause you got to find some to, like, if you are some prodigy on it, you have to, find there's there's not many people out there that are skilled enough to actually evaluate someone's design skill well enough to like say like, Oh, this guy hasn't done anything, Mm. but he's worthwhile to like get in anyways where on the engineering front and the art front, it's a lot easier just to kind of like test people Um, or people are more adept at doing so. Um, It's not to say it can't be as easy on the design front. I just don't think people are as, attuned to it i'm definitely not the best at that it takes me a lot longer to gauge someone's skill on design because um, it's i don't know it's weird but some people do it and yeah i think i don't know you just like probably the best thing to do is make stuff that you can show off that is interesting um to mm-hmm. force yourself to think about the right problems and correctly think about games um yeah, I don't have the best advice. <laughs> no, that was great.
0: No, that was great. That was great. I mean, because the, the the funny thing is I that was one of my big deterrents. Of That was one of the things I wanted to do when I was little. I was like, I want to make games. I want to make games. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's like trig. <laughs> like, uh-uh. Not me. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. Can't do it. But it's been great to see people. Um, and I guess the industry and the technology evolve to a place where, you have things like game maker studio or you have a uh, small, you know, smaller engines that I, as a plebeian can learn how to kind of figure out uh, and, and dig into that stuff. So no, that's great. That was really good advice. Don't worry about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so um,
1: we've gotten to a point now where if people didn't stop, um, stop the show and download the game, um, they are going to download it now. Um, let's, pivot a little and talk about a game that has recently been released uh no man's sky that everyone is kind of really been gaga about um never heard of right right exactly um (laughs) our great captain loving it man yeah yeah. Uh, our great article
2: an hour on it
1: right um it it is (laughs) it is the it is the pokemon go of this week (laughs) <laughs> um, and, that's a great way to put yeah, that. Actually. And uh, and it 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 is, um, you know, another game where it, it just kind of you didn't know how to explain it. Um, it was you know difficult to explain and and it, and really and hard to envision. Um, but then people got their hands on it. Um, I know Khalif has been very very excited about it, and of the three of us, he is the only one who's had a chance to play it. Uh, Before we ask Ka what he's thought of it, uh, Ryan, I'll ask you, you know, in all of your spare time, since you have plenty of it, have you you had a chance to play any No Man's Sky?
3: You know, I finally got spare time again four days ago. Right. (laughs) um, And I've started to play through my games. And while everyone's been playing No Man's Sky, I've been doing, uh, I just started Duskers. That's been my, like... My explore the universe game nice. as of the past night or two. Nice. Oh, but I haven't nice. got to got into No Man's Sky yet.
1: Explain to explain to uh, the rest of Chicago what Duskers is. Duskers is it's, it's like it's
3: you're controlling these little bots basically remotely from like a command prompt and sort of sending them into ships, exploring the ships, opening up airlocks, avoiding, you know, threats like like alien life that's in there. And sort of building up resources that you can take back to you. So you can then like move further through the universe. Right. Um, And you're, you're trying to survive up, kind of like no man's sky in some ways. Right. Right. But it's um, at that high level, except it's got this really like gritty computer, old alien movie vibe. And it's all like typing in commands and it feels it's a bit immersive in that, you know, you're, you're playing a dude at a console at a computer controlling these things that are out in space somewhere and you're projecting that way and it's i don't yeah it's really cool Mm -hmm. i haven't got that far in but it's it's rad nice
0: that's badass i definitely want to check that out that sounds cool
3: yeah if you like you know computer screens that are glitching out and looking (laughs) like you're at a command prompt like a hacker like you'll have a good time right
0: all right you get your uh, linux the game that's right baby
3: that's right <laughs>
1: yeah go. yeah that, that,
2: that's that's so funny after going through all the coding of this game the game that you pick is one where you're coding and hacking. i've been going down a big
3: list <laughs> <laughs> that one was on it
1: uh so so ka no man's sky um this is a game um from hello games the the previous makers of such classic games as uh, what was it the Joe Danger Danger. and Joe Joe Danger Danger 2 Um, they made you know the likely successor the natural successor to Joe Danger 2 um, some game where you fly in a spaceship through a mathematical universe that's procedurally generated using math Um, you know it makes perfect sense uh we we've all kind of we we got excited by it then we got more excited by it then we collectively got more tired of it um you on the other hand got more excited as the time went on created the phenomenon the soon-to-be phenomenon all our skies.com uh you've had your chance to play it
0: has it lived up to the hype Uh, yes and no Okay. The most reasonable answer is yes and no. And I think it's because of multiple things where you have <clears throat> you have hype on one side of of a uh, of a scale and you have expectations on the other side of that scale and the space in between is kind of weird and nebulous like space. Right. Ah, so I see like, what you did there. So so it's an interesting thing. So the 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 game itself you pop it in and you, you go through this loading screen and you, you kind of get spit out into the, into space, and you're just on this immense planet and you don't know what to do really. you're kind of lost and, and, and alone, and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing besides getting this kind of s- small prompt that's like basically, you know you have to get off the planet, you have to figure out a way to get off the planet. If you hadn't watched anything prior to you actually getting the game, you'd probably be a a lot lost. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm sure most people kind of did watch at least a stream or two when people were on. Um, The game itself so far, aesthetically, is is one of the most interesting things I've seen in a long time. I kind of have been talking about why I think this game, even if people don't necessarily like it or do like it for whatever reasons they have, that it was an important game to have been made. And it's because of math, because I think that it's like one of those weird uh, kind of eclectic titles that comes out where people just don't know what to what to do with it when they're actually in it, because you're not really supposed to go run around and shoot stuff because there isn't a lot of stuff to shoot. You don't really dig into the kind of usual combat that you would in most kind of uh, arcadey or or adventure games because it's like random that you might see another being come out on the screen. And then you have stuff stuff in there of what the Hello Games and Sean Murray folks had talked about. And it doesn't necessarily jive with the kind of overarching narrative that's kind of been changed through the zeitgeist of it. So when I tell people, when they ask me, like, what do they think? What do I think specifically about it? I was like, it feels like don't starve. But it feels like don't starve in space mixed with a little bit of Mass Effect aesthetic but not, but it didn't go far enough in terms of the difficulty kind of ramp that you have. And it's been weird because my, my story has changed every day that I've played it because I'm seeing new things that make me have to change my mind and make me change the thought processes about it. So like last week, uh, I'm sorry, earlier this week, I was like, well, you know, this doesn't feel like a hard game at all. I don't know why I'm, I've never died. I didn't do anything that it was would put me in danger enough besides the elements. And then today I died like four times. <laughs> so, <laughs> I died like four times because this one planet that was like full of radiation fucked me up and it was like not trying to get it was like it was like this weird salad that I got thrown into when I got onto this planet that was like these sentinels, which are these these robotic beings that basically kind of guard the the planet. They're Robocops. They're Robocops, right. And whenever you mess around with the environment enough, if they see you do it, they will then attack you and stuff like that. And it ramps up. It's like GTA where it has like a five-star system and it gets worse. (laughs) Nice. Are there there tanks that come? Right. So far, far I've only gotten to level three, which has been like more of the flying sentinels. And then they have these like robot dogs that kind of come after you. And they shoot these laser beams and they beat the hell out of you and it's super rough. So when you get to a planet, it'll give you kind of an overview of what, what that planet kind of has. is both weather and atmosphere and then also what the kind of uh, level of um, anger or, or agitation that the Sentinels will have. And I, I, got, on a, I got on a planet and they're automatically pissed. Like everybody was <laughs> mad. Like all the Sentinels would come and try to and try to rough you up. And it made the game a lot harder because you have to manage that you have to manage the weather and manage the atmosphere, trying to mess with your suit and especially cause you're kind of early on. So it, it feels really, it feels really interesting and it's hard to say good because it depends on you as a human being. It depends on your experiences just as like what you're looking for when you went into it. I love the mining stuff. I think that part is, that part is cool. The randomly generated stuff is awesome. It is interesting. Um, when you talk about the math of the game where you do notice that some of the creatures and things like that, like I do have some gripes, some of the creatures feel like Lego parts.
1: Right. Right.
0: And it, that feels weird. It it reminds me a lot of uh spore in that way. It's, it is totally, it's totally what spore would have wanted to, to have been right. Spore in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, it feels like currently cause, and it's hard to always say because you never know what you're going to see on the next planet you never know to the new machinations are going to be but I'm starting to see things that are repetitive which is a little bit discouraging um, and it's one of those things where you take Mass Effect and everything is super tailored right? right. all your experiences are tailored it's done with, they have the, the massive amount of art teams that do all this stuff uh, that puts together all the bits and pieces of all the things that you'll, that you'll ever see but when you let math take over, it feels like it will do some of the repetitiveness that you would kind of expect, and just add the permutations onto the other permutations. Right. And it's and it doesn't feel as new when you hit the sixth planet as you did when you started on the second planet.
1: Well, that's you know, you know, I mean, that's the funny thing is that the randomness of mathematics um, brings in uh, the, I guess the um, it brings in science you know because it, it there is there is a level of of science fact in there where yeah. uh, you know one planet that is generally close closely related um, you know closely situated to another planet within a system is going right. to have very similar flora and fauna if it's not mm. too far from the, you know, from the star in that system there, you know, they're going to be uh, closely related, but different just slightly.
0: Right. And that's and that's where I'm kind of at now. So I've spent the the beginning of this week since it since it launched kind of in my own solar system and in, in our small so, solar system or star system of Bricago mm-hmm. and the landing on my planet kajar one that i named the first thing i did and the, and the second thing i did was name a big ass mushroom plant after paris lily nice um <laughs> but it was one of those things where the 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 idea of the infinity the infinite of math kind of plays against it when you see things pop up more than once because you have this expectation that things are always going to be very very different but math and science will always tell you that there are many, many patterns that you will see over and over in nature and right. over and over and in, in, in all those things. So it's a weird dichotomy of trying to figure out what, what you have to expect in between those spaces.
2: So so uh, to you personally, do you think it would be stronger if it was a smaller, more diverse set of, you know, like kind of subsection of a space as opposed to more space but more similar things the way
0: that you've experienced it now? Um. I don't know. I think I think it's interesting. I kind of lean back on the crafting part of it. And then I have always have to remember how small that team is at Hello Games, right? They don't have a huge team, a huge art team that could be pumping out massive amounts of assets that will make everything super super different no matter where wherever you look at it. And they've kind of shielded themselves by doing the algorithms that they've done to make this to make this like this. If it was smaller, I don't think the gameplay would hold up in the same way. I think the hook right now is the, is the ability to say you will go to wherever you are and it will be fairly different anytime you go to a new spot. And I think that that is, that is what makes it great is because you have the ability to kind of like <clears throat> make up your story while you're on your path to, towards the atlas, towards the middle, towards the center of the universe. Um, and it's interesting because they give you the option right off the bat to do so. To say, you can take this beeline directly to the middle of the, of the universe, or we can let you roam around for a bit. Mm. Which I think is super smart. Super smart, super smart to do that because it does give you the idea that there is a path and that you won't be uh, kind of aimlessly roaming around the solar system forever. Mm. There are a couple of things I wish that they would have changed in that respect where I think it would be really smart to have a go back to your initial planet button mm. so that you could figure out a way. To map yourself back, it took me about two hours, and to try to figure out a way to get back to my home planet once I left, because the book the bookmarking system doesn't really do that well. Mm. Um, <clears throat> all the animals kind of sound the same, which you, which kind of which kind of sucks. Mm. Um, that's the thing I don't really like. Interesting, so um, the
3: sounds all procedural.
0: It sounds all procedural, but you unless you have a really trained ear, it doesn't sound like it. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't have enough difference in it. Besides the kind of anger, anger state, happy state and chilled out state. It doesn't seem like it has that much variance in it, which is which is a little bit disappointing for now. And maybe that's a maybe that's something that's a bug. And that's another thing, too. Like there are things that happen in the game right now that I don't know if that's just a (laughs) a patched. (laughs) Yeah. Like if it's just math, if it's something that has to get patched in or if that's something that they did on purpose, you know, it's hard to determine. And what those what those variances are. And the
1: other thing is that you haven't gone that far in the in the scheme of things.
0: You, yeah, you, and you, that's the thing. Yeah,
1: so so you, you haven't yeah. really had a chance to experience lots of variation um, in the game. The the speaking of animals, um, the the tiny pink elephant in the room is um,
0: a question. I've that, seen him and I've named him George. Right, right. The,
1: is, a, is a question that I've been asking almost since I knew more about the game and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this because I don't think that you've played this. How different is this game from the other giant space game where you just kind of do whatever you want to do um, and Elite
0: Dangerous? I mean, Elite Dangerous, I think, is a whole different quote-unquote animal, you know, no pun intended. But I think the differences between those two is... There didn't. There doesn't seem to be an air of wonder around Elite Dangerous, and I'm not talking about from the people who are playing it, and not the like zeitgeist around it. Right. I'm talking about the kind of whimsy that No Man's Sky trades on, mm. that Elite Dangerous doesn't. Right. Elite Dangerous feels like a more quote unquote serious game as opposed to to to, to No Man's Sky in that. It
1: way. is definitely ED is definitely a simulation game.
0: Yeah, erectile dysfunction is totally not. No, I am just
1: sorry. Uh, (laughs) There is a a lot of physics. There is a lot of physics you
2: can be with
0: with ED (laughs) when you are flying in space, right? Yeah, Yeah. but but it doesn't. But the thing that makes uh, um, uh, dangerous different in the ways that it needs to be is that it gives you this kind of idea that you can play it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that you should play it a certain way. So it's like you want to be a galactic trader, we give you all the tools to become a galactic trader. You want to be a mercenary, we give you all the tools to become a mercenary. No Man's Sky is like go and and prance. Go prance around the, the galaxy. <laughs> and that's and that's cool because the systems are like more it's more item management and system management and keeping yourself alive. It feels like it feels like the Martian the PlayStation game. Like, <laughs> it feels like you should be Matt Damon trying to figure out a way to make potatoes on this planet that you just figured out so that you can get back to your ship and not have the elements kill you. Um, and it does that well because it makes you feel really small, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And it makes you feel like you are on this desolate planet that, you know, you, you have to figure a way to get off of it to get back to whatever you were doing prior to that, which is, which they nail. They nailed that really, really well. Like they, they got scale down in a way that i didn't think was going to be in there and it totally feels great in that way
3: Hmm. you can't get trapped on a planet right like every planet has the necessary pieces to
0: yeah like you'll 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 get stuck in terms of uh you have the you have basically jump jets that'll get you off your planet when you're on in your ship and you will run out of that element often and then you'll have to go try you have to troop around and try to figure out where that is The cool thing is sometimes it's really far away and that's kind of awesome. It's like, you have to try to figure out a way to get to that element, get back to your ship and then bounce out and go somewhere else. The problem is it feels like um, you're always juggling your, your inventory in both your ship and on your, on your person that it feels like old school resident evil when you had to kind of like move stuff all the time and like worry about it. And like, this didn't fit in my box and stuff like that which can be annoying for a lot of people who aren't into that kind of stuff but it also then adds a layer of do i need this element right now am i trying to get this thing so i can build a necessary part so that i can fly faster or evade other people faster or keep myself alive longer so
3: i bet they had to make tough decisions as to whether to increase like uh like you could make things you'll make things more interesting and create the sense of variety and novelty if there's places where you can only get this here it's not here at all right? right right but because they have the other aspect of we want this game to be playable by lots and lots of people and be relaxing and explorative you have to be able to get this certain set of things everywhere i assume and i assume they don't have the ability for you to make a really bad choice, right? Um, right, right,
0: right. Which is it a like tough that. call, depending on it's, what you're trying to make. I would have loved to have been in the room when they had to try to figure out what game systems got cut. Mm-hmm. And I can't, like I was saying on Twitter today, I was like, I cannot wait for the postmortem on oh, this yeah. game mm-hmm. when they figure out a way to kind of like sit down and let everything die down a little bit and talk about how and why and what and, and all that stuff because. The, the beauty of every planet is that it's so big that you can be on one side of a planet and not have resources. But if you get to the other side of the planet, you might have them. Okay. So it's like you do have to troop around a lot to try to figure out stuff. And it's hard to kind of see where things are from your ship, even though you can scan. But the scanning doesn't really pop up the minute small things on the, on the ground. It just pulls up the bigger kind of structures. Uh, so when you're trying to scan everything, because you get... So if you scan everything, every uh, species that's on the planet, you'll be able to get more credits. So you can upload that, and you'll get, like, a crap ton of credits. Like, it's usually, like, 250,000 or 300,000 credits. Uh, and you'll need those credits to get bigger ships and better ships, which I have seen a really cool variety of ships and and multi-tools, which, are, which is your weapon... Mm-hmm and stuff like that. Those have been really fun and varied, and I think that's where the game shines a lot, where if you have that kind of loot lust, you will see stuff in there that you're like, "Damn, that looks pretty dope. That 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 looks awesome. I may I may take this one tool that I have that I've been using for a long time and scrap it and then get this other one." So they've done they've done a good job on that side.
2: Yeah, w- w- one thing I haven't seen in the coverage um that I've been reading and watching is sort of if there's anything special that happens, like between planets, right? So, mm-hmm. so it seems like that the um, angle of the game is sort of like real life, like space is empty, right? So, so there's not so like you going to another planet. is just like you know you warping there, and like I know you need resources for the different drives and like all, all of that stuff. But I read this great article in PC Gamer called What No Man's Sky Can Learn from a Kerbal Space Program. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not familiar with that game, if like any of the listeners are not familiar, it's like basic game where like you have to build a rocket and there's all these little things called like kerbals that are basically like minions, kind of. And you have to build one pretty scientifically, and it's really difficult, but when you actually can launch something and make it land, it's like the best feeling in the world. Um, and the article was arguing that they wish that no man's sky had that kind of feel that actually making it to a planet and landing on it, you know, and, 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 and like, I'm not talking about just the, just the visual kind of satisfaction of flying through the atmosphere. I mean, like actually like, you know, kind of like ha- having, I guess, like a harrowing ride through space to get to that planet. Have you experienced any of that or like, has it, got to the feeling like all right i'm leaving like this planet i'm just gonna press this button and go and just kind of chill until i get to the next spot
0: i recently just got uh into a really like crazy dogfight, fight so i was leaving the planet and this like random uh notification came up was like hostile hostile ships are in your area blah 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 okay and the dog fighting in this game is pretty interesting because uh, it's hard to it's hard to to notice just how many systems are in this game until you see them all kind of play out and in in in, in 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 and around each other. Um, so I got into this dogfight in between these two planets. I was going from one to another. I was trying to get to a black hole, and uh, it was uh, a pretty interesting fight. They don't last really long. My ship isn't really a fighting ship yet. So I got I got killed, uh, at least twice, mm-hmm. trying to get from one place to another. And the interesting thing is, it does the like Dark Souls thing where you have to go back to go get your stuff. Right, that's the EverQuest um, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah that they, EverQuest they, thing. They, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's like y- doing that part felt weird. Of like, oh, well, this thing is just floating in space. That used to be my body. That's cool. <laughs> Let me just fly back over there, pick up my, my luggage, and then go back doing what the thing I was doing. So there are kind of small things that go in between those spaces. Um, some of the animals on the planet will, will be uh, aggressive and they'll, and they'll try to beat you up. I had a, had a, a bear ram cat, <laughs> Fuck me bear ram cat, and a bear ram cat, <laughs> fucked me up and tried to kick me off a mountain, which was cool. I had a random plant that just beat my ass and almost killed me. <laughs> feed me, Seymour so the, yeah, I feed saw me, that Seymour. huge fish. It was like a
2: huge fish that was chasing you. Like as I was oh watching your the stream,
0: biggest, I, I messed up too. I'm so mad because it was this, it was this huge. So uh, it's been interesting to hear the accounts from other people. And they were like, damn, I can't find a water planet, man. This is bullshit. I don't know where these water planets are. I've never seen one. And I had seen one. I'd gotten to one on, like, my second trip to my, my second planet, all right, or the first trip to my second planet. And you get into the water, and it's beautiful because it's, like, you see, like, through it, and so and it's translucent, it and you can go into it, and it's really cool, and the sound is really cool that they, they use, and it dampens everything. And then this big-ass fish tried to debo me <laughs> and, like, scary. rolled up. And, like, you scan it, and it was, like, this this the, uh, this fish is a stalker. Like, its temperament is stalker, and it would not leave me alone. Like, <laughs> I would go on, the, I would, like, get on land, and it would follow around in the water to, like, try to kill, like, just to eat me and all sort of crazy stuff. And I was mad because when I named it, I wanted to name it the thuggish, ruggish fish bone <laughs> and I messed up and I didn't add the bone part. So it's now, now in the universe, if you see it, it's just thuggish, ruggish fish, uh, okay. which doesn't have the same flavor right. as thuggish, ruggish fish bone. <laughs> That's all right. So, Excuse so me. I'm a little bit sad about that, but it looks like it was mean mugging the hell out of me too. <laughs> I was like, yo, so it's cool. Like you do get these weird occurrences that just happen. But it also feels like you could go for a long time, and I've heard this from other people too. Like they've gone a long time and haven't seen anything pretty, or they haven't seen anything, any life that really did anything. Like things are kind of doing their own thing.
3: Yeah, I bet it gets a lot more interesting once you get closer to the center because you're going to start running into stuff other people have
0: named. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm and, hoping.
2: And, and it's kind of weird because I think what you said is that's kind of it's I think it's kind of the point. I mean, it's this weird thing. You know, a game, it's a video game, right? So you can't be completely realistic with this kind of stuff. But if if you're creating a procedurally generated universe of whatever quadrillion planets, like, there's a statistical chance that there's going to be people that just go barren planet after barren planet after barren planet, which sucks as a game,
0: but... I mean, makes sense. Yeah, it like makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's just that's the part that
3: well, it depends on their algorithm. Like they could prevent that, and they might prevent that in some ways.
0: Right, and I think that 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 will be a thing that will be interesting in in the weeks ahead to see how they tweak systems. Right, it's like are people having a bad experience? Do we tweak the? The, the the animal content do we add more animals do we make more green planets do we make more water planets do we do all that kind of stuff which would be interesting the one thing that has frustrated me this past week has been the conversation where everybody in your mama has been like why doesn't this have multiplayer in it right and i'm like they told you they told right. you they told you this is not that kind of game there's a difference between saying your game has an online multiplayer or And saying that it will be an always online game. Right. There's a difference in that. And people really don't seem to get the idea yeah. or the concept behind the two and know how to talk about them in realistic and honor, in honest ways. So it's been it's been weird. Like the Kotaku thing that happened the other night uh, where they had two people and they, I guess, got to the same planet. At the same time. Yep. At this, Well, I don't know if it's at the same time. Yeah, they said they, there was I think it was at the stream. same
1: time. At the same time, they were watching yeah. dual streams.
0: Okay, because yeah. okay. I remember one being on the nighttime. Maybe it was on the different sides of the no, planet, but anyway. No, I
2: think what happened is one guy got on there. He saw the person that named it, contacted that person. They mm-hmm. went to the planet, they tried to stream together. They right. thought they verified that they were in the same place, I guess, from
0: Landmarks or whatever. Right, they couldn't right, see each right. other. Right, and and they said that they couldn't see each other, and people freaked out. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, all right, fine. The worst thing that, that, that could be happening is that you're in different instances. right. Which is a different kind of story in which... Or is a different story that was told by and Murray, at least. But even if it is... Who cares? So
1: what? Right, who cares? Like, so There's what? There's right. no you,
0: way
3: you can see other people in that game. Right. Because right. if there was, it would be very clear. Right. Right. That right. people <laughs> would be advertising the hell out of that. Right,
0: right, <laughs> right. 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 And I think that that's, that's, that's been a growing frustration with, with, with this game so far. It has not been actually what I'm playing because I've I've given myself away to the idea of what this game is and I'm fine with it and I like it and it may not be a game that I play for it, in perpetuity forever because you probably could right but it'll be a thing that for what it what it what it tried to do and what it's trying to do is is a technical marvel in a lot of ways and feels like it's it feels to me like it's pushing games forward in a way that is super nerdy And awesome now and I think that's that in and of itself is a great thing
1: now what makes this game different this is completely a philosophical and existential question I like saying those words um (laughs) (laughs) what makes this game different from Spore because it it, you know I mean it it sounds very much you know uh, Sean Murray Sounded very, very Will Wright-ish uh, when explaining the game. Um, anytime he came out and he, he explained the game, he was, you know, so charming and earnest in, in a way that only a Brit can be. Um, when when he was when he was showing the game, but then when you sit back and you think about what Spore was supposed to be and turned out mm-hmm. to be, and what No Man's Sky is. Um, there there are lots of there are lots of uh, connective tissue, um, you know, no, you don't go out like in Spore and create an entire species. But the idea of an always online game that is completely uh, player collaborative, but also single player focused where you just kind of go out into space and think do things. Um now, Spore famously crashed and burned, no pun intended, mm-hmm. when uh once it was launched. But I think that it was a different environment, you know, there were there were online issues and that kind of stuff, uh which No Man's Sky doesn't seem to have right now. But right. a lot of that a, a lot of the complaint was this this fact that uh, We thought the game was going to be something different than what you said it was going to be, even though the game is exactly what it is that you said it was going to be. And I can't. Yeah, I can share things with other people, but I can't play with other people. Um, What's going to keep that level of frustration from reaching a, a tipping point with No Man's Sky?
0: I mean, the only thing that you can do is tell people the information that they need and then hope that they filtered it through their brains correctly. And that's the thing that we're not seeing in some aspects. Like, I think people have legitimate gripes about what the game was going to, what the game is. But again, it was really based on your expectations. Like, I think for the most part, you know, thinking back about all the E3 trailers and all the stuff, the interviews and stuff that he uh, he and the folks at Hello Games had done, it doesn't sound like he sold us a bag of snake oil or anything like that which would be really hard to put oil in a bag but (laughs) it it, it doesn't feel like we got sold something that we didn't get it feels like people want to shoehorn it and and pigeonhole it into a thing that it was never going to be Mm -hmm. and that's where people get lost because you you're so busy worrying about the things that you wanted it to be you can't enjoy it for what it is. And then you can't critique it on what it is and give good feedback on it. So it's a, it's a weird space. Like I I think it's a weird space. Like the, the cool, the the things that I want from this game is like better map management, a photo mode. Like if you want to up some stuff, you know, on, on the kind of, you know, animal plant stuff, Mm -hmm. that would be cool. Um, you know, I I think the biggest actual pro- the problem that that they've figured not figured out but that they have on their hands is that in the kind of whimsical we don't want to tell you everything because it might mess it up part of the story mm-hmm. telling of No Man's Sky they didn't do a good I they didn't do a really good job of telling people the systems that they have to work with in the game so like uh, you can you can you kind of get quests but not really. Okay. Uh, So things will kind of point you in a direction And say you can go this way But you don't really have to And you can't really pull it up to say Well I want to go here And let me mark that somewhere on the map Um, Some of the small things that are just in the back end That that just don't make a lot of sense Kind of mechanically uh, are in there That just feel a little bit off Or a little bit weird Um, But in the grand scheme Like the game is dope Like the game is fun I'm having a lot of fun with it People who I know are having fun with it I think that they, they do have some things that they could work on to tweak. Right. But in is it a good launch? I would say so. Hmm. I think it's probably doing fairly well. Um, and I think that the kind of ideas behind it are still solid and sound. Hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and, uh, and uh, one thing about Spore is that I don't hear a lot of people talking about No Man's Sky's like sort of core, like the core loop of it. Whereas the problem with Spore was that it had a, like a sort of 2d shooter part an rts part an rpg right. part right and they right. were all a little shallow right um right. so i think that it was it kind of thinned out a bit um and i played a lot of spore and like that was my main criticism of it was that it was like trying to do too much for my game mechanics perspective um right you know, so so and, and and like I haven't heard or read that No Man's Sky has really had that issue.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and the servers worked on day one, which was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because <laughs> that would have been fucked up yeah. if I, that didn't work on day one. Yeah. Then you would have had some issues. I was really expecting it to be a shit show on day one. But. I did too, and I and they figured it out. Kudos to them. Like kudos to them to figuring that stuff out. And I hope they get a chance to kind of rest for a bit um, uh, and, and get some of that stuff out of the way.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, our our uh, speaking of hope. Our, our good friend uh, Robin Hennekey who we haven't had on the show yet but will soon hopefully um hopes that her games encourage people to help one another. Um Reef, why don't you tell people how uh Robin Henneke believes in hope and change?
2: Sure. Um so there was a great article um in a Eurogamer Eurogamer. Um <laughs> basically that like talked about, you know, her journey and I didn't mean to say journey like journey, but uh, her her uh, journey and like how she became involved in the industry, how these different parts of her life um, really focus on like her getting joy from her different things and and like how the games that that like she's involved with, um, you know, all kind of follow that uh, same model. Um, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because there was one part in in particular that that that, that like, I thought was like really interesting and worth some uh, some uh, discussion. Um, so uh, the article says, you know, games that encourage this kind of playfulness rather than seek to force a specific message are at the core of her interests. Why she hold, while she holds up papers, please. And cart life as prime examples of what games can achieve. She wants her work to have looser interpre- interpretations. And then she says, I know people who make films who feel their film has a single interpretation, but they are rare. The majority of people who write or make films in art are just trying to get something out of them. When it's in the world, it's there for everybody to draw what they will from the work. So I think that this kind of ties in with uh, what uh, you said, Ka, in terms of like No Man's Sky being like, you know, it kind of depends on what your mindset is going into the game in terms of of, uh, what you get out of the experience. And this really made me think of, you know, if if I prefer games that sort of have a straight up kind of, kind of like narrative that that's like more like a film in like a sense, like a uncharted four, right. That, that just tells a really good straight up story. Doesn't really give you that much choice, but you know, but it does a, a, a good job. And and I would argue doesn't have that many interpretations or, or like if I want kind of like more of like a, like, you know, A direct game but that still has multiple things like uh, we talked about inside right in the last episode and like how you know even though that is isn't a game that has that many choices either there's like a million different interpretations of what it exactly means um so like i just want to throw out what kind of games do you tend to enjoy Do do you tend to enjoy the uh you know like the sort of one or few Interpretationist, but just one really solid, well done kind of film slash TV experience, or the ones that are a little more loose or uh, open ended. So, see what what do what you? uh Well, thinking?
1: you know, so I mean, for the most part, and and you know, I think part of it has to do with the fact that the that the medium, even even where we are now, is still kind of in its infancy. Is that the stories that we've been given? have been very, you know, for the most part, very definitive. Um, there, is, there is a story that is that is told and, uh, you know, you play through the story and at the end, it's going to evoke a certain type of emotion out of you. Um, it, it really hasn't been until recently. Games like Journey, even games like The Last of Us, where uh, the ending you know there was a, a a definitive ending, but how you felt about it was different and and games like you know, games like inside, where um, you know as last week I famously said that I was I enjoyed the game but really wasn't high on the game overall until I started to have that conversation with you guys and and I I really enjoy um, being able to, have these existential and philosophical conversations about video games and about the medium itself. And, and you know, being able to um, consume a game the same way that you consume a book or consume a, a, a goofy movie and, and sit back and talk to your friends about how you envisioned what you consumed versus how they envisioned what they, what, what you consumed is really something that's intriguing to me. And, and being able to continue those conversations and to have really great intellectual conversations about the medium really gets me excited. So um, I, I would, I would say that I, I love that part of it.
2: Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, R- Ryan, do you have a uh, preference or thoughts on that?
3: Yeah. I mean, anything that's going to, challenge how you think right Right. like that seems preferable (laughs) right um (laughs) i can't yeah i don't i mean I i don't know like of any i can't think of anything that is like a piece of art that's really stands out that is like here's this one interpretation thing i mean everything sort of reflects differently on different people right right
0: yeah it's been one of those things where you know and and the reason I love Robin's work is because she's focused on stuff like this over the past, over her career, for the most part, has been able to kind of pick it, pick apart and look for the lighter side, the more kind of poignant side of, of conversations and, 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 uh, and context and theme through the games that she's helped to produce. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of in that same boat where I'm playing stuff now, especially because I have less time to play. Well, not now because I'm unemployed, but <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> but uh, when I was working, I had less time to play stuff. So I was looking for kind of more kind of bite-sized, uh, e- evocative, ev- emotive, uh, emotion-based things that made me feel something. And I've been playing Abzu lately, mm. and I'm starting to feel that within that game. I right. uh, just got a code for Bound, which is another game that I think will do something to that effect um and those are the kinds of experiences now that i'm looking for and hope that i will have more of and knowing when i go in that they may not be critically acclaimed they may not make a lot of money so i want to support those games when they come out so that those people who have decided to make those can get rewarded in some way
1: what is the ryan what's the deeper meaning behind the black and white pieces in 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 inversus
3: that is up to your interpretation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: masterfully, masterfully done. Nice, right. nicely done.
1: Yeah. Reef, yeah. what, what, what is? What's your thought on on uh, on this question that you posed?
2: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I, I I definitely enjoy having the conversations about kind of like w- what things mean and all that. I don't, not all the time. Well, I, I'll say it's not critical to my enjoyment of a game that I have sure. that that uh, that like conversation, right? So I can, you know, I can play sort of like, I guess what you would call, I don't want to say a dumb game, but like a game that, you know, is strictly like, you know, let's just kind of like kind of like not really have to worry about focusing on stuff, just kind of zone out and just play. You, right. you, you know, like I can enjoy various like uh, mobile games, you know, or like uh, things like that, right? right. Um, and I do think that, you know, straightforward like a narrative often you know people do have many interpretations of it from books to tvs um but i think that the i think that there's usually one leading narrative that is generally accepted as you know the narrative even if it's not something that everyone agrees with like they'll Offer theirs as sort of this differs from the main one, but this is what I want. But there's other games where I feel like there is no lead narrative, right? Like it's just like like it's it's just like this is completely up to, up to what you think, you know? Um, and like it's the same thing, you, you know, like with other mediums also. So like I I kind of fall both ways on it, um, though I think because most of the games that I've been enjoying as of late have been. Indie games that do have kind of that more amorphous, um, you know, um, ending or interpretation to them. I think a- as of late, I've been more on that side. Um, I, I could definitely say that I've enjoyed those a lot more than sort of like, you, you know, you know, more of the uh, AAA experiences as of late.
1: Well, uh, an experience that uh, everyone was supposed to enjoy uh, in mid April that uh, I mean, I, I guess it was critically acclaimed, but didn't do particularly well. I guess it didn't have uh, a lot of people aren't talking about it. Is Quantum Break? Um, uh, you guys remember that game? Well, it is yeah. available now, um, or or very soon on. Uh, oh, actually now, yeah, on Steam for forty bucks, and uh, which is which is surprising for two reasons. One. Um, the game is still 60 bucks on the Xbox one and two this was the very first game that was part of the um, it has now been rebranded as uh Xbox games play anywhere but it Xbox was anywhere uh, yeah this was this was the Microsoft Windows. Gaming store platform thingy. I don't remember, even remember what it was called because it was really poorly <laughs> branded. Um, so um, and and was a mess when it came out. So it is kind of strange um, or interesting to see that the game is is actually going to be released for Steam, uh, and it's released at a at a discounted price um, for Steam. So there there are two things that that interest me here. Um, the first is, do you guys feel like console, the, you know, whoever's in charge of pricing on consoles should become more aggressive and start following the, the PC model of, of discounting games? And we have seen it, uh, you know, at a, at a certain level um, happening, but not at the frequency, not at the rate that we see it, on, especially on Steam or on Humble. Um, And the other thing is, releasing this game on Steam, what does that do? Does that instill you with confidence for this Xbox Play Anywhere uh, concept that Microsoft touted out at E3 that they haven't even actually had an official game released under that umbrella yet? Um, I'll uh, I'll turn that to Ka first. What do you think?
0: I mean, I mean, I'll keep it short and sweet, like the the ability for um, Quantum Break to be out on as many platforms as possible is great, you know, like for folks who didn't get a chance to enjoy it or, you know, experience it, um, they'll get a chance to. I kind of wish that it was going to PS4, but I know it can't. Um, it, it, but it, at the end of the day like this is great this is one of those things where you just get a a, a new audience that gets to enjoy a thing um from the from the beginning and then kind of gets to be a part of the conversation when they weren't before
1: All right uh reef what do you what are you what are you thinking i love this
0: um mainly because
2: quantum break was not i mean i was excited about it after i was reading it you know after after i was reading about it um but it, i didn't consider it a must day one game if i knew it was coming out on steam later right because windows 10 games so far have just not performed well and they have made some changes to the games that come out on the windows 10 store but both 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 quantum break and gears of war has some significant issues with people with some pretty beastly computers. I mean, I mean, like I have. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, there was... I mean, I, I got through Quantum Break, and when I say I got through it, I mean super-duper crashes. Right. I mean, like when it ran well, it was fine, but it was just something that would be unacceptable for a Steam game, you know? Right. I kind of dealt with it because... I was like, well... That's not true. <laughs> Steam crashes all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well un- 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 unacceptable to me, I'd say. Um, um, y- y- you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I got through it because I was like, you know, I don't have an Xbox. It's the only, only chance I'll get to play this game. Um, but now, I mean, unless I hear something significant, significantly different about Windows 10 games or there's a game that I like really, really, really want early, I'm probably just going to wait for all these games, you know? Um, because, you know, I'm I'm assuming that by the time they get to the Steam market, they're going to have more than enough time to patch out all of the, uh, you know, all of the issues that they've had for the day one launches on, on a Windows 10. Um, so I think that, like, this is great for, uh, you know, for, like, you know, for like p- people that you know, they're not so excited that they need it day one that they're willing to deal with the crap, um, and you still get to play the game, you know. So, so like I think this is cool, you yeah. know. And yeah, I would have definitely waited on Quantum Break and on and on Gears of War since like you know, you know, it was, it was it was a remastered version of Gears One, which you know it it looks great when it runs, but it just you know, it it just has all kind of uh, issues. So until they figure that out, I'm gonna be waiting for these games to drop on steam
1: now uh ryan as someone who has actually uh placed a game on steam uh you know firsthand about uh working with them what do you think of this game coming to steam as opposed to just staying in the microsoft store
3: i mean it's it's probably just comes down to like what i haven't played quantum break um so what benefits they get from one or the other or what extra work needs to be done on one or the other. Um, You know, it's more than likely just comes down to like timing and business and what people are around to like program stuff. And it's... Yeah, I mean, at some point you have to make a call of where stuff goes, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh-huh. So, uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I'll, uh, I'll like,
3: like honestly, when it gets behind stuff, it's usually pretty mundane, like right. the reasons things are the way they right. are. <laughs> exactly,
1: yep. exactly. I, I, I think uh, that's a perfect place to end. It um, is is that the the the. Steam Store is is a great place. Um so if you're going to pick up Quantum Break, which is a, a pretty big, beefy game, and actually not bad. Um and not not a not a bad game at all. Um while you're there, make sure you pick up inverses uh today. And if you like Quantum Break. Yes. You'll, be, love. you'll, <laughs> love, Versus. you'll love Inversus. <laughs> um uh so I so I'm going to I'm going to turn the floor over to you Ryan but not before I say um Ryan it was a pleasure meeting you in person. Um it's been even more fun having you here on the show. Um I really really love your People game. People often say it was great R- seeing you in person, but right. when you were not here. Right. <laughs> even more fun. <laughs> um I I I can't I can't endorse your game enough, um, you know the, the 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 gushing terms by with which I, I speak about your game is not just because you're here. Um, I really really love it, and I hope you I hope you have all of the success that you deserve with it. Um, please let people know how they can find it.
3: Yeah, so inversesgame.com that is the website that'll link you to the Steam page to the PlayStation Store. Um, If you want to follow it on Twitter, it's Inversus Game. Facebook, Inversus Game. It's just I-N-V-E-R-S-U-S. Okay. Type that in, and you'll either find Inversus or a disease, not a disease, but a medical condition called Citizen Versus. (laughs) And the game, don't go to the websites of people's organs. Go to the one about the black and white squares. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, like In and, case you're curious which one it is.
1: Right. It's the black and white squares. Unless you're uh, going to make a, a game about Citizen Versus, uh, is that the next game? That'll be the next one. Yeah. I think I finally beat them out on Google right. when you type in "inverses." <laughs> so, I've, Well done. I won that fight. Well done. Now, if, if people want to find you on Twitter or on the internet, uh, where can they go?
3: Down uh, Twitter, it's Ryan Juckett. It's R-Y-A-N-J-U-C-K-E-T-T. And on the internet, yeah, it'll just be that, wherever, pretty much. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get up out of here. Uh, see, I know you have to do the social media business, but before you do... I'm gonna get a quick plug out for all our Sky no, podcast. no more plugs. <laughs> this is it. I want to. I gotta give a big shout out to the GTR brothers who had me on the show the other day to talk about it and No Man's Sky and all the other good stuff. Remember, yeah, those if
3: you like there. No Man's
0: Sky, you will love Inversus. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you love Gamertag Radio, you will love Inversus. Yes, yes. <laughs> so check it out. Uh, it's allourskies.com dot com. We're trying to do something a little bit different uh, on the curation side. Uh, we already have some some content that's up. Uh, you have already seen it because now it's Tuesday uh, and it went up on Sunday. Uh, so check it out. Submit some stuff if you're on the PC. The game comes out or well, the game is already out now. So if you have all the sexy Nvidia ass Ansel uh, uh, pictures and all that crazy stuff, send that send that to the site too. And do all that cool stuff, and we'll have some fun with it. So check it out.
1: Right on, right on. And uh, while you're uh, sending uploads from the internet to allourskies.com, make sure you visit us on Twitter. Go to at spawnonme, and you can follow us there. You can follow us individually just by checking out the spawnonme Twitter page. Um, Make sure you guys are listening to the show on iTunes, and uh npr one and google play and whatever your favorite pot catcher is if you have questions about inverses um about uh how beautiful i am about all our skies.com oh um yeah i mean you know those those questions are, are i'm gonna are find very the ugliest prevalent.
2: thing in no man's sky and name it cicero Holmes. and
1: it and it and, and will and it will turn <laughs> beautiful um so (laughs) the the, um so if you want to ask us questions you can send us you can send them to us via twitter but you could also send even long if you've got more than 140 characters that you want to talk to us about go to spawn on me podcast at gmail.com send us an email um let's see what else do you want to do you want to go to itunes and subscribe you want to like the show you want to rate and review us please 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 do that five stars yes you know five stars one star i don't give a fuck um just just review us five stars yes i mean i mean yeah look look i mean we we got (laughs) we got five star voices we have five star guests um so you can give us five stars uh, and also, uh, if you want to help us make sure that things stay running in Bricago, um, we want to make sure we have all our lights dot com. Um, so you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com dot slash on me and donate as little as a dollar a month uh, to help keep the lights on in Bricago. Help us go to different places. Uh, and uh, I think that is about it.
0: That is about it. Uh, this has been episode 129 of the spawn on me podcast again we love you thank you so much for rocking with us every week and thank you for the kind words that you've been sharing about the show to your folks to your friends to your family and we will see you all next week we will say peace. peace, peace peace